Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Polly Hammond, and you are listening to Uncorked, the Italian wine podcast series about all things marketing and communication. Join me each week for candid conversations with experts from within and beyond the wine world as we explore what it takes to build a profitable business in today's constantly shifting environment. In this episode, we're joined by the leadership team of the Porto Protocol, Marta Mendoza and Cristina Cava. As one of the oldest organizations combating climate change issues affecting wine, the Porta Protocol has taken a radical approach to collaboration, non-competition, and non-certification. Today, we'll talk about optimism in the face of crisis, sharing solutions for the greater good, and how the Porta Protocol team convinced over a dozen wine producers to share their stories on video. Let's get into it. Good morning, ladies, and welcome. I'm I'm so glad to have both of you here with me today. Um, you have just returned from World Travels, sharing the Porto Protocol with some of your collaborators in the U.S. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. We just came back from California, where we had the chance of meeting in person various of the members here at the Porto Protocol which we've met quite a few times via Zoom, and we felt since we have a growing community in the U.S. that it was time for us to actually go there and be able to spread our message in person rather than via just a digital format. But it was very curious that after all this time being uh, talking to these members through Zoom, that when we meet them in person, it was like we really already meet uh, them previously. So it was very, it, it was a very good feeling. So the proximity between us. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that we've overcome that barrier. I mean, it's absolutely lovely because I have that all the time with people who I've, I've met, I've worked with, and you feel like when you finally get to give them a hug around the neck that you're like, oh my God, I've known you forever. I've talked to you for years. Um, <laughs> so it's a really nice barrier to break down. I, I think that it does present some challenges, which we can come to when we talk about some climate activism as we go on. Um, so I want to ask about what you were doing in the States. But before we do that, can you just for the benefit of all of our audience, tell us a little bit about the Porter Protocol, the history, the formation, and, um, and the work that you're doing right now. Just a little synopsis before we dig into things. Okay, so we are a knowledge-sharing wine community. Uh, we work with members all over the world from the wine community, from soil to sip. That means that in this community of ours, we have companies uh, spread across the wine value chain, not only wine producers, but also design agencies, communication companies, um, retailers, um, technology, technologies, consultancy companies, glass companies, packaging, uh, cork, so all different kinds of 
uh, companies besides the grape and the wine growers. And, and what is the criteria? What is the criteria for all of those disparate um, providers and producers to, to become a part of the Porto Protocol? There's no exactly criteria because we believe in action rather than perfection. So if we talk about criteria, the criteria is first of all to commit, to commit to climate action and then to share. So we can actually create a network of people that share what they are doing to address climate change because at the end of the day, what we are doing is catalyzing climate action in the wine world. So for that, we need people to share solutions in a variety of formats. So I think the only criteria is to be connected to the wine value chain. That's our, in terms of um, reach, it's the, the way we profile our members. So be connected in a way or, or another way to the wine value chain. So commit, act, collaborate and share. Yeah. And what are some of the ways that that your people are doing that? Like, what does that mean? Because if it's not a certification, how do they how do they commit and share? Well, they commit first of all by signing our letter of principles, and that they, they therefore they become signatories of the protocol. But they only become members when they share a specific solution through a variety of ways. It may be <clears throat> in a written format. We have a template of solutions that were that was revised by a member of our global steering committee, Dr. Richard Smart, very well known within the wine industry worldwide. He's a viticulturist from Australia, and Wendy Cameron, the winemaker, also from Australia. We are now working on having uh, an expert panel uh, that will sort of peer review these solutions that are shared with us. This is still not in place, but it will be very soon. Uh, and that uh, expert panel has experts literally from all over the world in different with different types of expertise that will be looking into those solutions that are shared with us, not with the aim of, of judging them because we are not. And that is really important about we are. We are not a place of judgment as we welcome and meet companies where they are in terms of climate action. And we believe in, in again, in perfection, not action, in, in continuous improvement. So that expert panel will make sure that everything that is shared for this community is robust and has enough quality to be useful for someone else on the other side of the world that is reading the solution and finds enough information to understand whether or not that, that best practice is replicable to its own reality. Um, and so that's so it's like so it's a peer review, you know. So we've got peer reviewed solutions. Is basically people submit to you the work that they're doing. It goes through a peer review process to confirm that it is replicable and that another winery or another solutions provider anywhere in the world can get on board with it. And then at that point, it gets messaged. Like, do the brands share those stories? Do you share those stories? Sort of how does the dissemination of that knowledge work? We share it. Mostly we share it. Of course, the company also shares it. But we are, we are, the, we are the sharing knowledge platform in the sense that we share it not only via our newsletter, our social media, our website. And very important, we do it one-to-one. -one. So... By being able to know every single member of ours, we get to know what their challenges are and what their solutions are. So whenever uh, a company, for example, is looking for a particular solution that has to do, for example, with water management, 
by having this uh, very personal knowledge of what is happening with all our members worldwide, we are able to say, for example, look, this company is implementing this solution or that company in another in a completely different part of the world is doing something else. And we are able to bring this pe these people together. So it's not just about sharing the solution in a, in a digital platform. It's also about bringing people together that are looking at like-minded people that are looking for solutions or that have similar challenges and bringing them together is part of the magic, let's say, of what we do. Yeah, it's creating a community around these same challenges uh, and sharing their uh, worries and how to uh, overcome the, the, the same kind of issues that uh, people have. So it's like the, the network that is behind this platform of solutions that it really makes the magic that Marta was uh, referring to. You have been around for a long time. I mean, like the Porter Protocol has actually been going for several years, if I recall correctly. And it started out with some pretty high profile events pre-pandemic. Um, how have you seen communication and interest applications change? Because I noticed that we're at like peak sustainability conference. You know, I, I think that I've attended four sustainability conferences in the past four months. So do you see, um, what would I say, like real action happening at a faster pace? Are you finding um, interest from different kinds of providers and producers? Have you seen that evolve from the early days with like the, the big events to now where we are um, where we are surrounded. Yeah, I, uh, I believe from uh, those two big conferences we had and that are in the genesis of the, the Born of Porto Protocol uh, and they, they count with uh, Barack Obama and Al Gore in 2018 and 19. They were like the, the um, how do you say, the, the change, the change making in terms of uh, mindsets looking at the climate uh, problem, or looking at the climate solutions rather than the climate problems. So that's the first uh, kickoff uh, of talking about climate solutions. I think what we noticed through these years is that people are really feeling in their, back, uh, in their backyards the effects of climate change. And it was a, like a waking up uh, call for people that were not really into the issue uh, at that time. Uh, so um, I think, yes, the, the growth has been good. One very good example, and we felt at this time in California as well, is with the wildfires that took place in 2020, it wasn't really a wake, awakening of really experiencing and losing uh, and, and experiencing the uh, losing crops and losing harvest due to... to um, the wildfires that were a direct that were a direct consequence of climate change. So yes, there is a, an awakening, there is um, a sense of urgency. But acknowledging that the problem exists and experiencing does not come maybe with the same uh, urgency for action that we need. So acknowledging is different from action. Yeah. So. And we need systemic change, and that's we cannot say that that is happening at scale at the scale we need still. So yes. 
So one of the things that I, I know about you guys, and I, I see this on the website and all of your messaging, is that, um, as Christina, you've just said, it is about solutions. It's not about discussing the problem. We all know the problem exists. It's about discussing the solutions. And you say within your values that it's with optimism, it's with hope, and there's no room for the despair and the, the feeling of we can't do this, which I think is something that I notice sets your messaging apart from a lot of climate activism spaces, whether it's in wine or not. Like there's a lot of the very fearful, negative, you know, space of, of marketing and of communicating this. Um, I just want to ask though, with, with this hopefulness and with this optimism, are there days that you both just sit at your desk and you just kind of want to put your head in your hands and be like, are, are they ever going to listen? Are we ever going to get there? Are we actually making change in the world? Yes, well, sometimes. Sometimes. But it's not very frequent, I can say. <laughs> we can say that. I think we're so lucky because we every day we speak to people and we bring people together. Not only we speak to them, but we bring different people together that didn't know each other before, that are willing to act and are willing to make a difference. And that is so inspiring. And that really inspires us to do more. And let, let us give you a very... Um, practical example that we just lived it. When we went to California, we had a protocol event at one of our members, Frog's Leap. And when we were deciding what to do with the event, he, John, John Williams, who's the founder, he changed everything that we had thought for the event. And he said, look, just before the event started, let's make this a celebration. Okay, we don't know what's gonna happen, so let's, let's make this a celebration about climate action. And so when you, when you have this on a daily basis, when you suddenly have an event that you thought, okay, people, we're going to have sort of a climate talk and we must talk about our climate talks and then talk about climate change. And then suddenly this amazing man, this inspiring man that has been a pioneer in terms of climate action for, for quite a long time, he says, look, let's, let's make this event a celebration of what each of those people present in this beautiful setting are doing to address climate action. And when you have this type of inspiration coming from our members, it makes it easier for us to go out there and catalyze climate action, which as you know, is very bold, but it is something that we've been telling you since the first moment, that's what we aim to achieve. It's catalyzing climate action in the but, world. You know, it's funny because in, in my head, when I think about, um, so many of these stories to me really resonate as like normal life stories. In parenting, they always say, well, you can get your children to learn to do better more often through positive affirmation than you can through punishment and negativity when they do wrong, right? So it's it's always the carrot, not the stick. And I, I think that I'm, to me, the analogy is that if we can meet people where they are and celebrate what they are able to do right now, wherever they are, then we can get them feeling positive about it and them doing more and get other people to also say, and I think this is what's really important, oh, I don't have to be doing the biggest, boldest thing ever. I don't have to be, you know, 75% along the journey. I can be a little teeny baby steps, just getting started and trying to learn. Um, do you, do you feel like that, that, that 
idea of we'll meet you where you're at. We're not judgmental. Has your feedback been that that's a really positive approach to take in growing solutions providers and adopters? For sure. Yeah, no, no doubts. Because people feel comfortable of talking of, of what they're doing. Even small actions count. Uh, like you were saying, it doesn't have to, to have a super mega <laughs> uh, plan in terms of climate action. Because this is about continuous action, not uh, just establishing big goals. So every, every action counts. And that's a way of inspiring people to do more the next day and to uh, talk with other people that also can start doing small things and feel that they are important uh, and they do a difference in our world. So, yes. Let me just say a couple of things. First, it's one, one thing, a very important message from our CEO and mentor, uh, Adrian Bridge, is that we, we do not need to reinvent the wheel. That's one of the things that makes so much sense about Polar Protocol. The reason why we share solutions is because it does make sense when it comes to climate change for companies to compete. It makes much more sense that we share what we are doing because that way we can accelerate change. And that's why we share solutions. And that's why it makes sense to bring uh, like-minded people together. I have a question about this. Um, I hear from my clients a lot. They're like, oh, we're doing something, but we've been really afraid to talk about it for fear that someone's going to come along and they're going to poke holes in it and they're going to say that we're not doing enough. And we got a couple instances lately where I've actually seen that happen in public where someone has finally gone out with something that they're doing that for them is a fabulous first step in publicly declaring these are the actions that we're taking. And then someone who's doing nothing comes in and is like, oh, is that enough? Why are you doing that? How do you know this? Like greenwashing, just like that, you know, that human need to nitpick. Um, I, I discovered that this is actually part of something called green hushing. So green hushing is when we don't share with the world what we're doing, often because we are afraid of judgment or dissent. What do you say to those brands who are sitting there listening to this and they are doing great things, but they're so afraid to communicate it because someone in the social media world or whatever is going to slam them because it's not perfect or it's not enough? First, we believe that you should communicate only when you've done it yeah. and if you've achieved the results. And once you've done it, once you're not communicating or spreading out the word or something that you're going to do, then why not communicate it? Why not inspire by example? It can be absolutely daunting to, to think that you have to have a perfect plan to address this daunting challenge because it's a daunting challenge. So by communicating it, maybe there are companies out there and there are, there are amazing companies that are doing the whole thing that, uh, that yes, they might say that that's just a little thing. But for others, that might be an inspiring step to start. Yeah. And imagine we sometimes give the example that comes from an inspiring member of ours, Mimi uh, Castile. Imagine that every wine producer worldwide with a vineyard would have uh, one cover crop. Imagine if all the problems, millions of wine producers had one cover crop in their vineyard. The impact that only this small action would have if it re would really have the scale of the wine industry as a whole. 
I mean, this small action multiplied by by thousands. The, the thousands yeah. would have an impact. And that's the importance of small actions. Yeah, that's why we support the low-hanging fruit of, uh, of action. Uh, and I think the, the, the peer review process and that we explained before, it also gives like, a, um, it can provide some safe place for people to, to share their, their solutions because it has been already seen by some experts that really find it meaningful for, uh, meaningful for climate action. So it also can help people to feel more comfortable on their messaging parts. So do you have a directory where like if I wanted to go in as say a consumer or a part of the wine system and I wanted to be like, what's that brand doing? We don't exactly have a directory. We have a website where you have filters to search for solutions by, by area and by environmental benefits. Also, it is important to understand that we don't speak as much with consumers. Uh, we are a sort of being this uh, business and, uh, and marketing um, podcast, we are a B2B organization. So we still have not spread our, um, our message to consumers. Though we do say very much to our, to our members that they should educate their consumers and their whole value chain. Do you feel like that this is something that's top down or, or, or bottom up? I mean, like what's going to drive it? Is the, is it the consumers? Is it our Gen Zers saying, you know what, if you're not doing something, I'm not going to buy from you. Or is it our leaders who many of us are Gen Xers like me, who are like, I know that we have to do this or do we just meet in the middle? I think both. No. Yeah. Uh, because we, we, we are kind of, uh, uh crop that thinks in terms of future generations, because one being planted today uh, will be always uh, only giving the fruits, the grapes in five years, and it will be here for a hundred years. Uh, so we want to do good. We want to behave the best way we can uh, in terms of protecting and be stewards of the land. So it really comes from the proper uh, the, the owners of the land and the wine growers, the need to to act and to start these uh, these changes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. on the other end, I think yes, the, the consumers are drivers, no doubt. Not just the consumers. First, is wine producers actually said we are farmers and we are the one the first ones being affected by climate change. So even before consumers, the consumers might be producers as well, and we are all consumers at the end of the day. We are being affected. So acting on it is a business decision. It's not even an environmental one. It makes business sense to act on climate change and to mitigate and adapt to it because, I mean, companies are losing their crops of a whole year. This makes your business unsustainable, not just from an environmental and social standpoint, but from a financial one. So it makes sense not only to safeguard the land for future generations, as many are family. I mean, think, thinking of uh, our own example as an organization, we are owned from, by a company that has been around for more than 300 years. Yeah. So it's natural that they think that they want to safeguard their land for the next 300 years to come. So it's top up, top bottom and bottom up because it's producers that are being uh, challenged by climate change. 
is retailers that have key uh, role to play as they are sort of in between consumers and producers alike. They're in a position to influence and to say, to say to producers, look, we want your product as long as it's safe, safeguarding its land and safeguarding its people and consumers. They must say that they will only buy that product if it uh, is compliant with certain uh, rules, certain ways of producing. Mm. But also they have to say it, but they have to make sure that when they get to the shelf and then when they get to the supermarket, they act on what they said as well and that they walk their talk. And that's really important. So we were doing, um, my agency was doing quite a bit of research on uh, specifically greenwashing for a presentation. And one of the things that I discovered is that I could have sat here with, you know, 10 grand and four hours and gotten certification after certification after certification for my business or my website. It was literally just a cash grab. And this is not from within the wine world. This is, you know, across sort of broad market certifications. You have opted not to introduce any kind of certification as it were, um, and you don't charge fees. I I think that that's a really interesting uh, approach to how you are providing support. What were some of the what were some of the deciding factors uh, that influenced that? Again, it comes from a business decision. When if you look for other for solutions that have already been implemented out there, and if you look for people that have experimented and have gone through the challenges and lessons learned of specific solution. As a company, you're actually saving money because, again, you are shortening the process of implementing a certain solution, okay? So this is not just out of philanthropy. It actually makes business sense for uh, companies to cooperate when it comes to climate action. We call it nowadays competition. Yeah. So you can compete when it comes to your products, but you should co- collaborate definitely when it comes to such a daunting challenge, the biggest one of our species, not just of our planet. So uh, that is the reason why we need more and more solutions so we can create uh, change at scale and the scale we need for to save not just our industry, but our species. Okay? So... That's the reason why we took, not we, or even our um, mother uh, organization took when creating quarter protocol, because it makes sense to share what we are doing to address this challenge. Okay, so now we're going to come to the heart of why I wanted to talk with you today. Um, You recently created a documentary. We did. Yeah. You went out, you have like a full length, is it hour long documentary where you are, (laughs) which you are sharing, um, you are sharing these stories. How did that come to be? Because I have to tell you, I cannot get clients to embrace video to save my soul. I go out to them and I'm like, video, this is how it works. These are the advantages, blah, 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 blah. And they look at it and they're like, no, this is very intimidating. I'm not going to do it. You guys went out and did an hour-long documentary. We did. And what was that process like? So, first of all, let us tell you that, as we mentioned at the beginning, we asked our members to share what they are doing in writing. And my God, is that a huge challenge? Because 
we need detail and we need data. So, and that's a huge challenge. And that's how, just before we speak about the documentary, our climate talks came to life because it was so difficult to have them share in writing that we thought, okay, let's create a space where we bring members from all over the world, all different sizes, all different profiles, come together and speak about, share what they are doing to address a specific topic that has to do with wine and climate change. And our climate talks have been a fundamental, fundamental tool for Porto Protocol to come to life because that's all it is, a space where at least three companies come and share what they are doing uh, in regards to, as I said, a specific topic that has to do with wine and climate action. So, in fact, talking is so much easier than writing, okay? So this was the next level. And now, from the video, we were challenged, challenged by the Green Line Future to come up with a video for their conference and we thought, okay, let's. What I mean to do? Let's let's do. Let's take this opportunity because we are going to be at the conference anyway. So let's make this into a tool about what we do, about our community, about what our members are doing. So it was really being crazy as we are and say, let's just do it. I mean, yeah, being let's, bold. Yeah, being bold and we taking had, the opportunity. And we had like one month to create everything more or less, yeah, one month yeah. and a half. And we challenge even uh, less. Even less yeah. Oh, yeah. And we challenge our some of our members to do a short video, a very homemade video. Uh, so make it simple for them. <laughs> and we really had a, a really splendid response uh, from their side, and it was really, really uh, even a surprise for us for uh, of the final product that we were able to put together because the messaging was so much inspiring, inspiring and educational. That, yeah, and even education that we, in fact, uh, of what we thought bef uh, before sending the the challenge. So it was really. A good piece that we, I think, we could uh, manage to put together. So, Polly, we were bold, but we were humble in the sense that we wanted to do it no matter what. But we knew we had to be humble in the sense that this was not going to be kiss the ground. This was going to be homemade, and we had to be very straightforward about it. This is not going to be, you know, maybe we can, you know, no words still, but. We had to keep those two things in mind, yeah. bold but humble at the same time in regards to... I mean, it falls in lines with the values, right? That it doesn't have to be about perfection. No. It's just about progress. It's just about getting the message out there. So whether it was an intentional, we are living our values or not, it was very representative, right, of the values that, that your team, team brings to it. So how many respondents did you have in that video? How many brands and businesses and people are represented? First of all, we had to limit it. We didn't invite yeah. everyone. Yeah. We we did personalized invitations because we we had fifty miles. How many members do you have? How we many have members total? More than two hundred. Okay. But we only invited like fifteen companies in the end. Yeah, uh, because like yeah, we, we tried to get representatives from the all some of the wine regions that we are present because we are present in more than twenty countries and. Five continents now, so uh, we had to choose not to to be balanced in terms of representation and be like a, a, a mirror of our community as well. Uh, so we invite as Mark said around twelve to fifteen companies. Most of them reply. We didn't 
uh, were able to use all the videos in this documentary uh, because the time of the time, yeah, time constraints, yeah, time constraints. Uh, but it was really uh, a good, I think, almost a hundred percent of replies when we invite mm -hmm. those kind of um, those fifteen companies to be part of it. And it was important, as Kim said, that it represented our community, not just in terms of regions, but for example, in terms of profiles. One of the companies produces 400 cases, another it's a huge company. So this was really important that we have all sorts of companies and also all sorts of solutions. So from a hemp uh, winery, a hemp seller from Chateau Maris in, in, uh, in France to regenerative uh, viticulture in the US to, um, to circular approach in Portugal, we really had to make sure that in this 55 minutes, we were really able to showcase uh, a sample of what our community is doing. Were there any that stood out that you could share with us? Just, you know, someone's response that you were like, wow, we never expected that. And this is amazing. And this represents exactly what we're trying to convey. Well, it's not fair that we do that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, because all of them were really, really, really good. We had a, an inspiring one in terms of the speech and even the consequences. And I think we both <laughs> agree on that, that Carlo Mondavi was really inspiring in, in his speech uh, and showing and showcasing what kind of uh, actions he's taking in place. But it's not fair as Marta uh, is telling because Tom Krogan was really great. Yes, uh, Patricia from the talking about uh, circular economy, uh, uh, Robin Lale, our international yeah. ambassador. She's inspiring as well. So, I mean, Shenbla, Nicole is really also inspiring using bees. Uh, it, honestly, it's yeah. not fair. Well, we, we've already said too many names because it's uh, because it's so. Uh, that's that's the amazing thing that that was the surprising thing about the documentary. It, the passion that we believe that we pass on to what we do was really there in all of our members. So. And if we are able to, to inspire action, each of these members is able to inspire action in another vintner or another wine company, where they are in the wine value chain. I mean, and this, it, is, this is what we want. Yeah, and it was really good to have uh, our members talking on their own words about what is Porto protocol, uh, what, how Porto protocol is impacting their, uh, their action uh, in, in a very, in, in a daily basis, uh, and even uh, trying to bring all other uh, producers around the world to, to be part of this community. So it was so much best than being ourselves doing this invitation that uh, it's a, like a peer-to-peer -peer conversation. That's the idea. <laughs> Do you know something makes me think of? So we build a lot of winery websites and we have <clears throat> standard structures, right? You've got about us, which in wine always breaks down into our team, our vineyards, our state, our wine. And there's a part of me that from hearing what you're saying and all of these people who have stories to tell, that wouldn't it be nice if... Uh, there was a default new tab or new page on everyone's website that's like our climate actions right there. And just when I got presented with a potential site build, 
Everyone who came in was like, here's the about us, here's our team, here's our vineyard, here's our climate action. And give them a chance to communicate wherever they are or whatever they're doing right now. Um, and hopefully with some joy and and positivity. Um, that's just, you know, that's me thinking about the work that I do yeah. every day and, and, and how that would fit in. So the, the documentary, going back to the documentary, is it available online? What have you done with it since the conference? Well, we've uh, basically spread it uh, again via our social media. Also, uh, uh, through our visits in to the U.S., we've also had uh, a PR agency sort of spreading it out. And we, it's also available on our YouTube website. So if you go to Portal Protocol at YouTube, you'll find our documentary there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I keep doing them. So again, like I said, I'm fascinated by the documentary side of it because I find it so difficult to get wine companies using video. But what you've just said is all these people did an amazing job in a very low, um, you know, production quality. It didn't have to be cinematic quality. Um, it, they all did a really great job conveying their stories and what they're doing. Is is this an undertaking that you're going to approach again? Yes, we are already. <laughs> we are already working on a California yeah. episode. Uh, following and our yeah, following our uh, visits, we already challenged some of our members to do uh, an episode by the region in terms of the region and even in Portugal. Yes, uh, we are working with five regions in Portugal doing a sustainable program, and we challenge them as well to to share in in video the solutions they already have in place. And we realized that this is a very easy way. It's it's a very easy way for people to get acquainted with the solutions in a much more interactive fashion. So the the written format is still absolutely key to us. And now the next videos that we have definitely always have the writing format uh, along with the video. But this makes it easier for people to watch and for people to see what these people are, what these companies are doing. Uh, and so, and not always bear in mind that we are a global wine community. We will keep on and spread across the wine valley chain. We'll definitely have more episodes uh, showcasing some of our members that are doing amazing work. Also, for example, we have a few importers and retailers that are doing amazing, amazing job. For example, in terms of reusable bottle schemes. Sustainable wine solutions, the way for good in France. Um, and so we want to show these, and they deserve to be shown so they can be replicated. Yeah. So for sure, we'll be doing new episodes uh, of this documentary. Is this going to take the place of your climate talks, or will you? Or are no. you continuing no, to no, do no. those as well? No, it's different because in our climate talks, people, it's a place for interaction. Um, because not only the interactions happens uh, with the, the, the guests we invite, uh, but also people can register in the um, in the I'll just say the Zoom, the Zoom yeah, webinar. Yeah, webinars. Uh, yeah, the webinar and can place uh, questions through the Q uh, the Q and A or uh, doing chat among them. So it's a different approach. It's uh, it, it serves different. Purposes, purposes as well. Communication channels at the end of the day, different audiences require different communication channels. And these are all tools to share, to, to provide solutions for wine and climate change 
in, in completely different ways and therefore appealing to different people. So for someone like the Porter Protocol, where you've got a B2B not-for-profit message, how are you able to use things like social media in order to build profile? And the reason I ask is that you've got someone like LVMH who put on the uh, World Living Soils Forum, and they have really heavily leaned into Instagram as a communicator. I, I really think for them, a lot of it comes across to me and I could be wrong as B2C. Like they're trying to get the consumer market to understand why their efforts are so important. Is this even something that you see as growth for B2B and nonprofits, for climate change activism? How does that work? Of course, they are absolutely key uh, channels to work with. First of all, there are free channels to work with, and they're the best way to get to a wider audience. So one thing is the work that we do on a daily basis, which is more personal, so to speak, where we are able to, to speak to our members and, of course, our growing community. But through our social media channels, regarding of whether it is Instagram or LinkedIn, we are able to spread our message to a much wider audience, including consumers. So when we speak to wine lovers, for example, they are able, able to know through social media that, for example, what's the, what are the elements that contribute the most to the carbon footprint of wine, of how much or how much water uh, a, wine, uh, a liter of wine requires to be produced. So this information, though we are a B2B um, uh, organization, it's easy and important to share via social media so we are able to spread out the message and convey this message to the ones that are actually consuming and drinking the wine and therefore be able to choose uh, much more mindfully when they are buying their next uh, wine bottle. Yeah, creating awareness and uh, learnings as well. So it's part of our... Daily job. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, social media is definitely key for us, but also to communicate again what our members are doing. So, there's so much uh, potential potential to, to the role. Education media. and awareness yeah. is yeah. really where it is. So, it's a, it's a B2C education and awareness, uh, as well as, of course, your B2B relationship building. What's next um, in terms of growth? I mean, one of the things that I know is about climate change uh, is that not to despair, but it does feel like every day we are faced with more news, more problems, you know, more more problems that we need to solve. So how do you see this growing over time? Your, how do you well, see the Porto Protocol growing over time? The next big step for us is really the expert panel, as we told you about, because that will leverage what we do as an organization. That is absolutely key for us. That will leverage what we do, and in terms of credibility, it will be indeed a step forward. Uh, and another yeah, growing the community as well. So in different places, we have already starting, we have already some regional representatives that really do like a local uh, spreading uh, word of the protocol work and trying to bring more people in on board to grow the community, grow the solutions, and grow the voice uh, of the protocol. So those so are ambassadors? Are those like brand ambassadors, the equivalent of brand ambassadors for the Porter Protocol? 
They are. They, they, they are, are sometimes yeah. like ambassadors, but not. We have a big ambassador that is Robin Lyle uh, in the US, and the, the regional representatives do like more operational operation. Well. And they help us grow. They help, uh, they help us grow in the, that particular region because one thing that is absolutely key, uh, future-wise, is that we grow more meaningfully in certain wide regions uh, across the world. We are strong, very strong in the US, for example. We are growing steadily in France and Italy, but we need, again, to be able to do, to impact change at scale, we need to grow accordingly. And so these regional representatives are actually absolutely key to our, uh, to our future so we can grow at scale and be able to, to capitalize action at scale. Another In the areas... In the areas that you haven't yet seen growth, is that because they're not aware of the Porter Protocol or is that because they're slower to actually adopt change? There are two, uh, two obstacles, we would say, two challenges. One is a language obstacle yeah. in the sense that we are a language-speaking organization. As in English. <laughs> An English-speaking organization, yeah? So our official language is English. And we have some countries that are not used as much English as, as that. Namely France and Italy, for example, and Spain. So the wine roads, uh, we have a language obstacle. And the other obstacle is sometimes the sharing, um, the sharing spirit that we promote. Yeah. Uh, so sharing and understanding this concept of competition, of collaborating when it comes to climate action and competing when it comes to your products does not come easily. And so that's a second obstacle that we sometimes share. We're not asking for people to share their business strategy. We're asking them to share, for example, how they're saving water and not how they make their product within the winery. And that's sometimes not easy to Overcome. come across. Even timetable. Yeah. And it's difficult. We have meetings at night sometimes to get uh, New Zealand, to New example. Zealand yeah. or something, but also sometimes it's, it, it, it's an obstacle. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. So that, that notion of transparency that you're talking about is very interesting to us because one of the challenges that we've seen is that it's really, really hard to get the wine world to share what I would describe as case studies, you know, to share the business and the strategy and the growth information. This is not on a climate side of things that can help all of us as an industry make better decisions, learn from one another's mistakes. I think that that leads me to the question of is there a space with the Porta Protocol for people to not just share their successes, but to talk about what they've tried, what didn't work, maybe why they think it didn't work? Um, maybe someone else can jump in and say how they might have tried it differently, just for us to learn to be more open about, I don't want to describe it as the failures in a bad way, but you know, really just the things that didn't work out the way we expected them to, or it wasn't worth it, or we thought seemed like a great idea at the time, and then we got into it and we realized, no, actually, this is this is never going to be a way forward for climate activism. Yeah, of course. I think it's already <clears throat> happening in a, in a more individual and not so visible way uh, for the community. So it's happening uh, between two members that are really sharing this kind of, of challenges. And also, we try to, in our solution template, 
we <clears throat> we have a um, an item that we call like uh, achievements and next steps and so, lessons learned and lessons learned in the in the part of the lessons learned you have, it's a space for you to uh, explore these kind of things that uh, you were um, describing so what went wrong what went right why is some adaptation is needed uh, so the idea is that we have a space but of course it should be important as well to create more a more interactive uh, forum to discuss but you know all of that. So like if I'm if I'm a, a, a new signatory, I come in and I'm like, oh, I've got this idea to do this thing. And you're like, oh, actually, you know what? We can hook you up with someone else. They've tried it. They went down this path. This is what they found. So that's where sort of all of this information sitting in your big brains um, helps that it might not be documented. It might not be things that we want to document necessarily in a public space because the Internet lasts forever. Um, so with that in mind, just give me the lowdown. I am a winery listening or a service provider or anyone within our supply chain. And I've just discovered that the Porter protocol exists. You know, what, what are my next steps? You go to our, our website to become a member, you download our, our letter of principles, you send it to us to info at porterprotocol.com. Uh, we'll get back to you to shadow uh, a conversation where you'll do lots of questions. Sounds like an interrogation sometimes because that's the way we get to know you, to get to know your practices, your challenges, your lessons learned, your most uh, most successful and, uh, solutions. That's how we get to know you and that's how we are able to help you yeah. and meet you where you are. Yes. Uh, and then we, we'll also tell you about us. And as, as as this conversation goes along, we'll try to look within these brains of ours, as well as our platforms of climate talks and solutions, what has been shared with us that can help you in your path. And so this it's is how like you a date. A you have to have a first date. Yeah. <laughs> in so, a way, we can say that. Yeah. <laughs> We're the matchmakers. <laughs> Exactly. That we've, uh, you're saying something that that's something that we've been saying for two years. Somehow we are matchmakers. Another thing that we are before finishing uh, finishing the answer is we. And actually, that's something that I want to say before. We have the eagle's eye view. We have the systemic approach. So as you probably know, working with businesses, most businesses do not have a systemic approach to problems. So we try to have it. We build the puzzle. As we listen and talk to people all over the world, we usually say that we travel every single day without leaving our chair. And by getting to know people from all over the world, we are able to build a puzzle of what can be done in terms of climate action. So we have a systemic approach that we believe is needed to address this issue. And by bringing these people together, we are sort of putting the puzzle together and helping people come together. Um, but so, sorry, this was a sort of a, something that I had forgotten to say that what I found is really important. And even bridging sometimes uh, the, the, the academia and uh, some partners with uh, uh, the, the members itself. With the producers. Yeah. The producers. Oh, that's interesting. So let me ask a question about that. And it's okay that we're going off on a tangent. So... <laughs> If, when you say bridging the academia and, and producers, what my brain hears is 
taking things that are going on in very um, in scholarship spaces, in very academic language, and actually translating that into real world language, possible application and understanding. So it's not just like a one for one connection. It's actually like literally running it through a filter of what does this really sound like it mean to our people and conveying it in a way that they can understand. Is that correct? Yes. Also, yeah. It's not our main role, but it's something that we are developing step by step. Yes. We are trying to simplify the, the messaging uh, so it'd be understandable for everyone and also try to sometimes match uh, some uh, some investigation that is being done by research. research okay sorry uh, that is being done by academia uh, that needs some real data in place and we're trying to connect the producer with the mm. academia for um, the pilots to go good. And That's even for smart. The producer, yeah, and even for the for the producer to have an advantage in being uh, trying this new technology or new uh, breakthroughs, innovation. Yeah. yeah. What else? Oh, yeah. that is super interesting. Yeah, we usually help some of the universities and researchers. And even uh, students. And I even mean, students. Even students. Sometimes yeah. we we uh, we are contacted by students that need to run up uh, a questionnaire about a specific issue. So we try to identify around the world what kind of uh, members we have that can help getting this information up and then uh, ask uh, through a, a very direct and personal email, uh, please help this student or help this project on uh, by replying to this questionnaire or by sending this message. We also do that with um, some journalists yeah. that are about to write an article uh, on a specific topic and help us uh, and ask for our help to identify who are the best people to talk. Uh, so, and we connect them directly or indirectly, it depends on the, on, the, on the case itself and what kind of information people need. It, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's the so go, so go, part. That's a, yeah, that's the back office. That the back office that it's not visible this for everyone. So, but the, the the network and the connections it, they are really really important. You know, in the daily and actually, that we do. when you were talking about lessons learned, sometimes for the protocol comes to life, to life without us even knowing it. For example, we visited a member of ours in the U.S. and she was just telling us how she. After a climate talk of ours, she implemented one of the solutions that were shared, but it was not ideal to her. And she, so she, by trial and error, she just went on trying it till it really worked for her. So in our next video on California, she will be sharing that. But we didn't know this. So yeah. this community comes to life. Not always are we aware of it, but mm -hmm. it really comes to life. Yeah, that's, that's the difficulty yeah. of measuring the impact that we have right now. Uh, and that's one of the things that we would like to, to improve in the, in the future as well. Yes, that's a milestone for the future as well, being able to measure our impact and, of course, to increase it. Okay, so now the difficult question. You say you've just come back from the States. How do you yourself balance the need to travel, get out in the world, be a part of that community that you're building with 
everything that we know about the issues of air travel and in climate change in the wine world? It has to be such a mindful decision, Holly. Uh, actually, there was a, another member, well, all these examples come from the U.S. because they're very fresh, but there was a member of ours that was telling that that today they don't have, and it was Scotland, they don't have a budget travel, but um, a travel budget, sorry, but a carbon budget for traveling. Uh, and it's a concept, not that we have it, but it has to be so mindful. The reason why we decided to go to the U.S. this year is because we really felt the need of uh, reinforcing this community that already existed in the U.S. So it made perfect sense for us. So it was not so much about growing the community. Of course, that comes with the job, so to speak. But it was about reinforcing the one we have, make it stronger. And that was important because this from this comes growth as well, natural growth and more sharing and more uh, meaningfulness to what we do. So it made business sense. It made environmental sense to go out there and spread the message and convey the message even, even further. Because the um, benefits are going to outweigh the cost. Yes, yes. We, we believe yeah. we believe in it. So we, it's, it's such a mindful decision to go traveling, to go on a plane. It's in no way uh, at random that we do it because we are aware that we are the first ones that have to walk our talk. Yeah. And so it comes from a very conscious space to decide to go out there and travel. And so we need to plant some trees. Yeah. <laughs> also, or and you need to plant some trees. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make up for it. Um, going back to next steps, you've signed the letter of principles. You have to actually commit to the change, and then you become a member. You only become a member when you share a solution via a variety of formats. As we said, we have our written formats and you can find the solutions shared in our website or it can be an article, for example. Uh, it can be a climate talk that we invite you to. Bear in mind that because our climate talks are so important, becoming being invited to a climate talk is because we did so much back office work before someone is actually invited to. It sounds simple, it's an hour live and you're there with other people. But even the matchmaking process of bringing those specific people together, it's not at random. So it's just not, oh yeah, great, I'm being invited to climate talk. If we invited you to a climate talk is for sure, uh, because we- really You earned it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. for sure. So yeah. uh, you only become a member of the portal protocol once you share a solution. So showing that. So that's you your want, payment. Yeah, that, that's, that's your payment. Your yeah, that's walking your talk. So yeah. it's avoiding the greenwashing of I'm a member of the Porto Protocol. No, you only are a member of the Porto Protocol if you are really doing something already. And you, you are, are sharing it. And we are, of course, and sharing yeah. it. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful to you for coming in and talking with me today about this because I do feel like it can be quite bewildering. There's um, there's so many different options depending upon if you want something that's wine specific, alcohol specific, if you you know geographically specific, if you want certifications, if you want payment, well, like whatever you know it may be that. I know myself, when I was doing the research for the presentation, I was completely overwhelmed by trying to understand what the differences were. 
in not only uh, enrollment in or membership in, but also expectations of and kind of ongoing impact of the multiple organizations that are out there. So I am hugely grateful to you ladies for giving me your time today and helping me really get get an idea of what my options are. No, we are grateful to you yeah. for any invitation. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> and right. if you have any questions, of course, you can always uh, come to us through email or so, through social media, and we are pleased to get back to you. Okay. And that's the Porta Protocol on all channels? Yes. Yes, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on email, on website. Yeah. On everywhere, on smoke signals. On, on, on all podcasts. Um, yeah. You can find our Climate Talks, for example, on all podcast uh, uh, media as well. Yeah. High five to the podcasters in this yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> thank you and so much. that's a wrap. Thank you for listening. And a great big thank you to Marta and Christina for joining me today. The Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with daily episodes. Tune in each day and discover all our different shows. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another look at the world of wine marketing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy, home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.